Hello everyone, this is Trevor with Tea Time Reports. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode, especially for our UFL coverage. We have a lot to get into today and a lot to discuss. First, I'd like to just say I really hope you guys are tuned in to the Tea Time Reports TikTok. We have a ton of UFL content slash clips up there. Definitely recommend you check that out. All support is greatly appreciated. And make sure to check out our Instagram and Twitter as well, Tea Time Reports, as well as our website, www.teatimereports.com. Learn a little bit more about us and a little bit more about the show. But getting into the, the fun stuff regarding this episode, covering more recent free agency transactions for UFL clubs, as well as overall league news. Um, we got some interesting stuff via Daryl Johnston regarding the UFL's 2024 rule kit and what they're going to be you know, kind of using and going off of. And I'm, I'm excited about this. They're making it a little bit more like the USFL in the rule, rule department, which rules can really make or break a league regarding professionalism. Um, and real quick, I think we can just kind of go into that, I guess. And let me just kind of pull that up if you all don't mind. Um, Daryl Johnson confirmed that the USFL's kick, kickoff format will be utilized in the UFL um, this upcoming season. Um, in this version, the kicker sends it away from his own 20-yard line. This resulted in the average starting field position being um, approximately the 37.4-yard line in 2023 of the USFL. So it encouraged more teams to not take that touchback, uh, which is always exciting. You want to see a return. You want to see a big play. You want to see that you know, capability. You want to see those Cavante Turpins emerge from 2022 when he made the MVP for the USFL based on his special teams unit as, as a whole outperforming every every other unit in the league guys can emerge stars can emerge and players can emerge as well as coaching um daryl johnson also told um everyone that the xfl's pat system will be adopted in the ufl um so there will be no kickers on extra points this season um given the success of brandon aubrey as a pro bowler not sure how to feel about this one um i think it kind of limits the ability to see some kickers emerge and thrive uh, but the USFL and XFL both had one, two, and three-point conversions. The difference is that the USFL, the one-point play uh, was kicked, while in the XFL it was an offensive attempt. Banning kickers from the 32-yard PAT hurts the position. Bad call by the UFL, absolutely. Um, so that's going to be interesting to see where that's going to get the league and you know what things will end up in that regard. Um, but we also did find out that the two feet inbounds rule will still be adopted from the USFL. Thank God we're not doing college rules um, like the XFL was doing. It really took that professionalism away from the game, prepping guys for something they wouldn't have to do in the NFL. These guys are trying to get to the NFL. They need to play with NFL-type standards. That's crucial and key to sustaining good quality play in this new entity, this new league. Um, that's just my opinion. But um, getting into some more interesting and fun signings, we have not only, um, excuse me, the Memphis Showboats signing wide receiver Josh Van, former Carolina Panther, but we also have some other big news from the uh, Michigan Panthers who've added a big offensive weapon with wide receiver Desmond Patton out of Washington State. Patton was a seventh-round draft pick by the Colts in 2020. He spent his first three years with Indy before spending the last two on the Bills and Panthers practice squads. He racked up four catches and 45 yards and a touchdown with the Colts in the NFL as a starter. So that's pretty good for the Michigan Panthers to get that veteracy, especially 
on that offensive side of the ball. I mean, we look at the receivers. Their current Panther receiving core is wide receiver Devin Gray, Trey Quinn, Devin Ross, Marcus Sims, Jordan Sewell, Simpson Nakua, uh, Terry Wright, and Garrett Mag and Desmond Patton. Uh, I'm going to say this, who EJ Perry or Josh Love, whoever's their starting quarterback in Michigan this year, is going to have one hell of a time just finding weapons all over the fucking field. I mean, they are stacked at that position. Mike Nolan is going to have to really put something together on the off- offensive side of the ball and, and, and shock the league because the Panthers have that capability. I just want to say that real quick. Um, getting into some more UFL transactions, uh, San Antonio picked up Nick Hawley, quarterback out of Kent State. Um, and the UFL agreed to terms with the following players, Chris Lacey, uh, Desmond Patton, and Jacob Sailors running back from East Tennessee State, who got signed and picked up by the St. Louis Battlehawks. So good to see those guys getting, um, you know, their nods in that way. Uh, as well as, I mean, let's talk about Jacob Sailors real quick. He had a nice little stint with the Cincinnati Bengals. He has that pickup speed. He has that good ball carrying vision. Um, what, what worries me about, you know, his game, especially in the NFL was just the fact that he was getting kind of, I wouldn't say bounced around a little bit, but you know, maybe if he hit the weight room and he probably did in the off season, he's probably ready to go. I think the St. Louis Battlehawks definitely got something good with him, especially since their quarterback situation looks very lackluster. They need to elevate their rush attack and maybe be a rush heavy team this upcoming season. Um, and the San Antonio Brahmas continue um, they're signing spree with three more additions. Uh, running back Anthony McFarland, former Pittsburgh Steeler, defensive tackle Jacob Sykes, and punter Brad Wing. Uh, McFarland is signing is a signing that makes sense given the departures of uh, Stevie Scott and Smith in the backfield. Sykes brings depth to the defensive line, most recently spending time with the Seahawks. Brad Wing is a key re-signing as he was the XFL um he was the San Antonio Brahma's starting punter in 2023, so that's good that they retained a special teams addition. Um, the Arlington Renegades actually made a good little push here as well, bringing in um, defensive back Duran Lowe and linebacker Jordan Wright. Jordan Wright played at Kentucky in his college days. Uh, Duran Lowe you know, had a little stint with the Los Angeles Rams, so good additions for them as well. I would also like to take this time to shout out a guy that played two really phenomenal seasons with the Birmingham Stallions, who is calling uh, calling it his time, hanging up the cleats in a sense. But safety Tyree Robinson has announced his retirement from football. Tyree Robinson won back-to-back championships with Birmingham the last two USFL seasons, posted 82 tackles and an interception across that span, cemented his legacy and greatness in spring football. Absolutely. We won't forget you, Tyree. Shout out to you, bro. Hopefully you find your calling after football, and I imagine you already did after making this decision. I'm sure it was hard, but I won't forget watching you play for the Birmingham Stallions, and I'm glad that we got this out there in the airways so that we'll never forget. The Michigan Panthers have signed wide receiver Trey Quinn, tight end Nick Gugamos, and defensive back Jamal Perry. We already talked about Trey Quinn re-signing uh, on Blog Talk for Fighting Words Radio Network, but he he was a huge crucial piece to the Michigan Panthers offense last year. Sure-handed wide receiver, always going to catch the ball, has great route running technique and good footwork. And he's a guy that's really going to showcase why he's a starting slot receiver in this league and why he could potentially get his way back into the NFL. Um, Tight end Nick Gugamos was also a former Washington uh, commander, a good blocking tight end, a good addition to that offensive line slash receiving group for the Michigan Panthers. And defensive back Jamal Perry is another sleeper pick that really is going to probably, he's going to wind up starting in my opinion, 
but we'll see what he um, can impact on that defensive backfield for the Michigan Panthers, who are already currently loaded, by the way. Um, Another big re-signing for the Arlington Renegades was quarterback Drew Plitt has re-signed with the Arlington Renegades, like I just said. Plitt spent the 2023 XFL season with Arlington, throwing for 668 yards and five touchdowns in five games. He had an NFL stint with the Cincinnati Bengals after winning the XFL championship, even though he did not start in that game. It was all Luis Perez, probably top three spring quarterbacks of all time. Um, but it's a really good re-signing for the Arlington Renegades to bring back that that continuity. Drew Plitt can probably start if Luis Perez doesn't you know, come back and retain himself with the team, but I think it's good. And it's overall a really good move for them. But the Birmingham Stallions have also signed defensive lineman Caleb Sampson, a great pickup for them. He's just he's going to make an immediate impact. Um, but the Michigan Panthers have also signed XFL Combine participant offensive tackle Lacoby Tucker, a guy that has a beautiful story. If you don't know it, make sure you just go and check it out yourself. Um, but he had a nice uh, couple words with Dwayne the Rock Johnson at the XFL Combine, and um, just an encouraging story. But going into some history of spring football in general, the winning percentage of current UFL franchises in their entire history per request of at WebUFM. This is uh, via Pat R or at by Pat Riffino on X. But the USFL Stallions, uh, 0.72, 59 and 23 in their history. The Memphis Showboats, uh, 500, 24 and 24 in their history. The Michigan Panthers, 500, 30 and 30 in their history. The St. Louis Battlehawks, 10 10-5 in their history. The Arlington Renegades, 8-9 in their history. The XFL, the, excuse me, the Houston Roughnecks, 12-4 in their history. The uh, DC Defenders, 13-4 in their history. And the San Antonio Brahmas are sitting last at .300 at 3-7 in their history. So it's actually really cool to see that kind of history of the league in general. But in the past couple of weeks, we, we did mention the D.C. Defenders there. Uh, there's been probably the biggest re-signing or biggest free agent move in the past week or so. But Jordan Tayamu has reconfirmed, or excuse me, confirmed his return to the D.C. Defenders squad. This is a team that was a high-powered offense. He was a main. He was the main reason for it. He had a huge arm, and he was making crucial plays for them down the stretch, especially in the playoffs. But this is a guy in 2022 played for the Tampa Bay Bandits. They only went four and six, but he threw for over 2,000 passing yards in a 10-game stretch. This is a guy that's greatly talented. Could be an NFL backup, in my personal opinion, with his athleticism. He's an efficient runner. He has a really good arm, good spire on the ball. Does need to learn how to not sail the passes sometimes, but. In in grand retrospect, I've watched him play for a long time now, and I've always really enjoyed his game, and I think that he's literally a luxury for D.C. because they have a great running back, they have a great overall O-line for this for this season, and I think that their defense with David Bellamy, uh, guys like that, are, and Reggie Northrup are just, it's stacked. This team is stacked. It could be a contender for the XFL conference um, it, this upcoming season. People are going to talk about Arlington, but the defenders... They should have won that championship game. They know it. The world knows it. And I think that they're going to come back with a vengeance this year. But the team to beat is the Birmingham Stallions, hands down. This is a two-time championship club back-to-back looking to go for a three-peat. People are saying, oh, you can't say three-peat because uh, this is a new league, a new entity. Uh, I can say it because they went through two seasons, two championships. They were only, they only lost three times in two years. Let's get that you know straight. But we also need to also come to terms with the fact that 
we have to realize that these two leagues have two different things going on. Jay Sternberger on Twitter, tight end for the Birmingham Stallions, pointed this out beautifully regarding the schemes for offenses and defense uh, defenses in the USFL compared to the XFL. It's going to be a very different type of on-field merger we're going to see as well when it comes to the play, when it comes to the chess matches between the coaches, the coordinators, and overall just what we think the game is going to look like in general, it might be different. It might have that struggle period like we saw in the first couple games of the first USFL and XFL season where things don't look in sync completely, but they report for training camp in, what, I think less than two weeks now, maybe two weeks on the dot, but um, I do have a little bit of an announcement as well on blogtalkradio.com. I'm going to be talking with Vinny Papali, wide receiver for the Memphis Showboats, um, on not this upcoming Wednesday, but next Wednesday. So tune into that if you're interested on fightingwordsradio.com. Uh, definitely going to be an interesting conversation. I got a ton of questions for Vinny. And um, if you are interested in UFL, period, definitely check out the TikTok. We do a ton of player clips. Uh, we got a ton of different stuff coming out as of late. Um, we're trying to be more consistent on there, trying to get as much out there as possible and create a presence in this entity of the UFL and just in the media space regarding spring football because we have been covering this um, type of thing for two years now with the USFL. We watched every game. We did our due diligence with live tweeting, with covering it on Twitter and social media and doing our podcast coverage episodes and getting on YouTube and stuff like that. But we got to take it to the next level and we're trying to get more player interviews and if anyone out there is a player in the UFL or trying to be, definitely hit us up. Our email is readily available. We'll try and communicate with you, post some of your clips, post some of your highlights, uh, try and work with you, just get you an interview, do a little ballad type episode, get to know you as a person, you as a player. You know, We're trying to dive into all aspects of that kind of coverage, and if you're out there listening and somehow, um, some way, in some shape, some form, want to be a part of the podcast, want to get on one day or at least get on the YouTube um, we'll definitely take take you up on that. So shout out to that. Shout out to Brandon as well for putting in a lot of work in the TikTok. He edits those bad boys together. So shout out to him. Um, I just do the audio. I'm not doing pretty much shit, but <laughs> I appreciate you, Brandon, if you're out there listening, brother. And make sure you guys check out our most recent YouTube video with the Unbettable Podcast. Shout out to those guys over there doing their thing. Um, but if you want to maybe make some money, go check them out. Check Brandon out with uh, the Unbettable Podcast on YouTube, as well as some clips on our TikTok. But uh, we definitely are trying to increase our presence on all platforms, and we hope you guys can appreciate that and also notice it a little bit and the work that we put in. Um, it goes a long way, just the follow, the like, the comment, it, it means more than you know, you know, and just, you know, thinking about the UFL in this upcoming season, I have so many predictions, so many things I want to see, but there's a bunch of guys that aren't signed yet, like Paris Ford, um, and guys like Josh Simmons, I just think that, you know, we really need to start helping players that aren't getting the spotlight that they deserve. Josh Simmons and Paris Ford are phenomenal players. I mean, we lost guys to the CFL like Jeff Bedette, Cam Echoes, Looper, that are phenomenal players that we aren't we, we weren't able to get on a roster. And it's a little a shame because I wish maybe we kept two extra teams, five and five. Maybe that would have been more interesting um, just to get more guys on squads because I feel like we lost talent to obviously across the border in Canada. And, you know, the CFL is the CFL, but I would really hope that we are able to expand this league soon. So if you're a fan of spring ball, if you're a fan of the UFL, do your due diligence. Give this its interactions, its views, its, 
you know, it's 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 well deserved. It really is because we want to grow this league as fans, as a fan base of the UFL, or if you're an XFL fan or USFL fan, you want this to thrive because it's both of those things in one. That's the beautiful thing about it, and we need to appreciate it and learn to um, and kind of come to differences with you know each league and how each league was modeled before. This is it now. The UFL is here to stay, hopefully, and we can hopefully be one of the first podcasts or entities, you know, kind of, you know, talking about it, covering it extensively, because we know the players, we know the game, you know, trust our advice, trust our coverage on the UFL, and make sure you tune in, and we'll definitely be having some uh, some betting episodes regarding how we can make some money for everyone out there, take some advice from us, maybe make some money, because I'm not going to lie, Brandon was hitting on some bets last year in the 2023 USFL season, and that's a legitimate thing, um, and you want to make some money while you're watching the thing you love, right? Football, money, I mean, how can you not appreciate that and learn to love it? But especially with a smaller league, smaller amount size of teams, um, smaller roster sizes, uh, smaller chances of failure. I mean, you really should be able to make the money in this league, especially if you know the players, the coaches, the teams, the atmosphere. Um, and it's also been announced that the championship game will be held in St. Louis. So that's going to be pretty awesome for St. Louis. That is a football town, football city that has been earning, yearning for a, a, a huge a meaningful team regarding football. This is a a city that got its team taken from it, and they they you know they want some success in that department. And they had a lot of fans show up for the Battle Hawks last year in the XFL 2023 season. So let's hope that we can see that kind of same that same energy, that same vibe return from a lot of these XFL hub cities, and hopefully. The USFL will do its marketing due diligence for its teams. Michigan looked really good at their fan uh, meet and greet the other day. Same with Memphis and Birmingham. Really good to see the communities interact because I will say the USFL did a lot of community work in its two seasons. I'd like to see that continue. Nothing new on player pay or anything like that, so that's going to be a discussion probably for an episode down the line, but hopefully we get some news on maybe some increased player pay for some of the starting quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, overall everyone. I want everyone to get paid more in this league because they deserve it. They put in the work, they put in the groundwork to be the the foundation and the foundation pieces of this new entity. I mean, everyone put in the work with the XFL and USFL and really did those kind of first baby steps with this spring league idea. And that's what it turned into now today, this being this biggest, the biggest spring league ever. And we're really excited to see this kind of take form, take place. I'm so excited, and I really hope it, it does wonders. I mean, we th- this this league has to average over 1.5 million viewers a game, at least. Because on average, we were getting maybe 800 to 900,000 views with the USFL. The XFL did far worse on ESPN 1 and 2. But they need to come together, utilize Fox, ESPN, and really hit the ground running, especially with this new streaming platform and merger that we talked about in the uh, Turn Up the News episode. Make sure you guys turn in, uh, tune in for those episodes, especially the latest one with my grandfather Pops, a.k.a. Butch. Um, but we talked a lot about this new entity of a streaming platform for sports, TV, film, between Fox, ESPN, Warner Brothers, and TNT. So it's a very huge deal there, and I wonder if the UFL had any news or idea of this and what their plans for marketing and televising are going to be going forward. That's going to be a question mark, I think, as well. 
So a couple things to definitely look forward to in a future UFL episode for everyone out there if you enjoy these types of episodes and enjoy this coverage on the league because uh, I'm, I'm tapped in. I, you know, Every day I, I'm checking James Larson out on uh, Twitter slash X. Shout out to him, James Larson underscore PFN um, on Twitter. He's a great reporter, great coverage guy for these types of leagues, players, trying to get players signed as well. I, I, I got nothing but respect for it using your platform for good and pushing out only the facts. Love it. That's what we're trying to do as well. But especially with the UFL, that is the guy you want to trust more than anyone. Um, so shout out to him for kind of making a name for himself and in this kind of open market. And that's the beautiful thing about it, especially with betting, with with covering it, with trying to make your own business uh, regarding this new entity that the market's wide open, the windows are wide open for you to make some money, make a move, make a play, uh, and learn something new, find some new players, a new club to love, make some money on betting on it. You know, th- that's the beautiful thing about it. It's this new thing. It's going to be refreshing. Hopefully it pops off fast, and that's what they're going to be riding on, I feel like, especially with the amount of marketing that they're doing in individual geographical locations regarding Michigan, Birmingham, each team getting its own ad. That's a lot of money. It's a lot of ad time. It's a lot of a lot of, a lot of dollar signs as well for the league in general, and we got to hope that they're we're, we got to hope that they're putting their funds and their assets in the right place because if not, then we might see a, an XFL-type issue where they lose like $80 million, and we don't want that. When Redbird Capital or ESPN or Disney is running something, it's typically not run well with logic, so I hope that Fox is handling the money, and I, they should be handling the money because it's you know Fox has been more stable in that financial department. And I hope to see that that you know remains so because the USFL made money off of the first two years and, and did really well with its marketing, with its hub kind of style. It, you know, maybe it wasn't doing the best in terms of fan base, but it really was doing well on social media in terms of the successful teams, in terms of the the playoff games, the the championship coverage. It did well. It had great production value, and I think that if they mold it after the USFL's first two years but add in the flair of the XFL with the celebrity names, the former NFL players, it might do better with that combo, and I think that that's what they're hoping on and you know, probably marketing so much for, but that's a discussion probably for down the line as well. But I really hope everyone out there enjoyed this episode of our UFL coverage with Tea Time Reports. This is Trevor. Hopefully everyone out there is staying safe, staying awake. Take care, everyone. Make sure you tune in for more episodes of Tea Time Reports. Peace.